Welcome to the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. I'm your host, Scott Ray, Dean of Faculty and Professor of Christian Ethics here at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And I'm your co-host, Sean McDowell, Professor of Christian Apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. We're here today with our guest, uh, Dr. Mitch Glazer, who is the president of Chosen People Ministries, which is an outreach, an evangelistic outreach to Jewish people, uh, not only in the United States, but around the world. And we've asked Mitch to come on with us because we want his reaction to a sermon that has gotten a lot of attention here in the last couple of weeks. It was preached by uh, Pastor Andy Stanley, who is the senior pastor of a, a mega church outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that has a number of church plants attached to it. And uh, he said some pretty controversial things, Sean. I like to quote a couple of things, uh, and we want to give this uh, the most charitable read that we can right from the start. So I'm, I'm using his words, not not our paraphrase of these. But uh, I think the big idea that Andy was trying to get across was that uh, in the in the early church, particularly in Acts 15, as a result of the Jew-Gentile controversy in the early church. As he put it, the church leaders unhitched the church from the entire worldview, value system, and regulations of the Old Testament. They detached the church from Judaism, saw Judaism only as a means to an end, that the prophets predicted and Jesus claimed to have fulfilled it. He goes on to mention that the Jewish scriptures are the backstory only to the main story of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, uh, and that Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from the Jewish scriptures. So one of the, one of the uh, uh, ramifications of this was his statement that uh, we are no longer accountable to the Ten Commandments. They are not our commandments for today. They were commandments for Old Testament Israel. Um, and that the, the through the Jews part of the biblical story, uh, Stanley said, is now over. Uh, so, fairly, I think a fairly controversial idea for you know those of us who believe in the divine inspiration of the Old Testament. Uh, it constitutes three fourths of the Scripture, which is an awful lot of material for something that's just the backstory. Uh, but Sean, I think the most charitable read on this is that Andy was trying to to help people today overcome some of the obstacles to coming to faith and staying in a vibrant Christian faith that he views the Old Testament as presenting. I think that's right, and it's important to approach this charitably for a few reasons. Number one, we should just always approach people charitably and try to assume the best. And second, Andy Stanley has a remarkable history of preaching the gospel, being faithful to scriptures, and his family as well, so he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And I think as we look at this issue, it's important to keep in mind that he's not primarily a theologian. Now, this might not justify some statements that are made that you and I would pause and go, wait a minute, I'm not sure that's accurate. But he's coming at this primarily as somebody who's a pastor, who's an evangelist to the lost, trying to identify barriers that he thinks his experience and research shows keeps people from coming to Jesus. So I'm with him 100% on his sentiments, but I think there was a lack of clarity and precision that just raises some some troubling questions. And I think he's correct, I think, to insist that you know many have lost faith because of some things that are hard to explain in the Old Testament. Uh, the, you know, the, the literal creation, for example. 
how does that square with our understanding of evolution, the, the phenomenon of divine violence in the Old Testament, how it comes out, if things like that. It's, it's what I call the phenomena, you know, did God really do that uh, type of thing. And so I appreciate the sentiment that he's trying to remove the obstacles that keep people from coming to faith and staying in a vibrant faith. A hundred percent, that's his motivation. I think that's the desire where he's coming from. And I think that's why we need to give him the charity and the benefit of the doubt without also failing to critique some of the ideas and lack of precision that I think would be is a little bit troubling and raises some questions. And well, I think with with our notion of uh, thinking biblically about everything, yeah, we want to think biblically about the the big idea that he was trying to get across that the church needs to unhitch itself from the Old Testament. And so this is this is, the message has sort of sent I think understandable shockwaves through. Uh, the Messianic Jewish community, which is why we've asked our friend Mitch Glazer to come join us today. Uh, so, Mitch, you've you've heard the sermon that Andy preached about the need for the church to unhitch itself from the Old Testament. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing that message for the first time? Yeah, thanks, and thank you, uh, Scott and Sean, for having me on the podcast. I'm a very proud Talbot uh, graduate, and. Uh, and had Dr. Charles Feinberg, who uh, as my professor years ago, and I'm, I'm wondering what he would have thought about some of these messages. Um, would have, he would have had quite the response. Um, I think that Andy Stanley uh, is articulate. I think that uh, he's a missionary, a uh, pastor, and uh, I actually uh, listened to all three Aftermath videos. And I also yeah that, that's the that's the ser- that's the sermon series that this message was the the finale of yeah and and so you have to do a couple of things uh, you have to set the context for everything number one he's speaking to mostly Gentile thank God a lot of young people but he's speaking to a lot of Gentile young people who have very f- little familiarity probably with the Old Testament with Judaism and first century Jewish culture. <clears throat> and um, and they're facing uh, sort of the onslaught of the secular world. Most of them are not in ministry. They're in business and in school and uh, in, in everyday life. They're trying to uh, handle uh, the gospel and reach their friends and neighbors and families. Um, so that's number one. He's speaking to a particular audience. And uh, I think when we remember that, it, it, it really helps us. And uh, so I think that when he says that we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Andy Stanley believes in the inerrancy and authority of the Old Testament. Um, what Andy Stanley seems to be uh, describing is, is two things. One, I think you guys are absolutely on target, that it has to do with apologetics and polemics. And so, basically, Andy Stanley uh, has found the Old Testament to be more difficult to uh, defend uh, than the New Testament or the person of Jesus. And I would actually take that one step further, because he does. I think that when you 
you think through the title of the series, it's aftermath. Well, the aftermath of what? Well, it's the aftermath of the resurrection. And so basically, this is his post-Easter series. And so Stanley is arguing uh, for something uh, very, very clear. And that is that you shouldn't base your faith or try and defend your faith uh, on the integrity and uh, relevance of an ancient book like the Old Testament. Of course, I would think the New Testament's pretty ancient, too, like the Old Testament. And there's a lot of difficult things to defend. There are ethical issues. Uh, He quotes uh, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and their attacks on the integrity, uh, particularly of the Old Testament. And some of them are pretty pretty tough uh, things that that they say. Um, And I think it was particularly Sam Harris who uh, Stanley quotes uh, who, as one of the new, more vocal atheists, views the God of the Old Testament as a moral monster. And so Stanley's trying to give his young Gentile congregants a way to defend the faith without having to justify their belief in the Old Testament, saying basically your faith should not fall and rise on this book. And so he says, really what this is all about is the resurrection. And so don't try and defend the Christian faith based on defending the Bible, especially the Old Testament. Unhitch yourself from it, and as he said so eloquently, our faith stands on two nail-pierced hands. Forgive my New York accent. And, <laughs> and, and so basically, Andy Stanley is arguing for building our testimony and our faith on the basis of the resurrection as opposed to building it upon the Bible. And I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, of, from what he said. And and so it's not simply uh, an unhitching us from the Old Testament, but rather hitching us to the resurrection as the key point of evidence and the foundation for our Christian faith. And Stanley feels that for his audience, that will be more defensible than trying to defend the Old Testament, everything from creation to little details in the law. He pokes fun at some of the statements in the law, and and so on. So I think that's really what a lot of this is about. I think he is polemically driven by caring for his audience as a pastor and trying to give them tools to defend the faith in a secular modern world. I think that's a very charitable read, and often for me in apologetics, if people bring up, are there contradictions in the Bible, or did evolution happen, I'll often say, if Jesus rose from the grave, Christianity is true. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. But I don't know that I would use the term unhitch from the Old Testament. I think it brings some baggage that would concern me as a believer. Tell me what your concern would be, given the charitable reading that you have, assuming that you gave, assuming that you have one, framing this as unhitching the faith from the Old Testament. Let's stick to apologetics for a moment, because I think that was one of his major concerns. I mean, I I don't think he was really worried about the kids in his church 
beginning to keep kosher, okay? So, which is very hard to do with all the good barbecue in Atlanta. So I, I, don't, I don't think that was the issue. But here's what he misses. He, he, first of all, I congratulate Andy Stanley on being an expository preacher. I mean, he takes, he really goes through the texts. And as he's going through Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and then Acts chapter 5, and, he, and previously going through uh, uh, Luke, as he's, as he's really going through these passages, trying to talk about the power of the resurrection, I think his argument would be strengthened, actually, if he hitched himself to the Old Testament, because uh, he, he seems to not totally recognize that the Apostle Peter, in preaching uh, about the resurrection, actually is quoting from the Old Testament. And here we have the polemical power of predicted prophecy. How's that for peace? Okay? And That's so good. You can close in the, prayer after that, too. I, I was going to take the offering first. But, so the, the beauty of reading the Old and New Testament together is one uninterrupted story seeing the fulfillment of God's Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the life and work in Jesus, which tie together Isaiah 53, which portrays the person work, uh, both the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, in, in one passage. By tying that together with the empty tomb and the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, by taking... Psalm 16, which Peter clearly quotes from in, in his sermon in, in Acts uh, 3, um, I think it's Acts 3, not 2, but uh, it, and by, uh, by even tying together in Acts 2, uh, the pouring out of the Spirit in Joel chapter 2, you see that on and on and on he's quoting uh, the Old Testament, and basically you have to remember that Peter is Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Even though Stanley said a number of times that they did not have the Bible because the Bible was not created to the 4th century. That's an issue involving the development of the canon. I would say that clearly the disciples and Jesus himself didn't have a Bible, they had the first half, a lengthy half, that they had the Bible, and that the canon was already determined within uh, Jewish society, and there wasn't much change to the canon when eventually the ecclesiastical authorities in the 4th century deemed the Old and the New Testament as, as canon. It, it's, they didn't create the canon, they accepted the canon that was already in existence. And so the canon includes predictive prophecy. Now, when you take your average secular person, they don't even have to be Jewish, although with Jewish people, you've got to prove that the Old Testament said it and the New Testament fulfilled it, if you're going to make any headway, particularly with millions of religious Jews. Uh, you can't possibly uh, uh, convince them that Jesus is Messiah without uh, looking at their authority. And so it's very important to understand the value and beauty of the unity of Scripture, 
with promise and fulfillment, promise in the Old Testament, fulfillment in the New, and that has persuasive power. And I, if I were uh, speaking to Andy Stanley, which maybe one day I will, I would say, brother, I'm all for the resurrection. I think it's powerful. Um, I don't think that we experience the resurrection today the same way Peter or the disciples experienced it. In fact, we read about it, we believe it, we accept it, and we proclaim it. And so it's not a first-hand experience. I know that, I, you know, if somebody says, how do you know Jesus is the Messiah? I can use an existential argument and say, I know he's the Messiah because I just spoke to him. You know, I, I understand that. But, you know, Moses could have used the same argument uh, with, the God, with God as well. But it is, Mitch, we, it, it, it is an interesting part of this. I think I, I just opened to Acts chapter 3. And your, I think your point about the the link, the explicit link with the Old Testament. I mean, it's all over Acts chapter two when Peter's preaching at Pentecost. But in Acts chapter three, the link is made even clearer. Where he's, where he's in Acts three thirteen, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. And then he goes into the the message of the resurrection after this. But it seems seems sort of explicitly in continuity with what had been revealed and predicted in the Old Testament. Mitch, tell, tell us just a little bit about what, what has been the impact of this message, Stanley's message in the Messianic community. The Messianic community doesn't quite know how to handle it. I think a lot of them don't know Andy Stanley. They've never heard him preach before. And, uh, and I read his, uh, I read his uh, discussion in Relevant Magazine the other day as well. And uh, he, he made himself very accessible and very approachable. And so I think that will be good for the Messianic community. He said he will pick up his phone, he will answer an email, and I think that's wonderful. And so I would encourage the Messianic community to speak directly to Andy Stanley and find out what makes him tick and find out why he said wh what he said. But uh, just to go on just a little bit more, Scott, if I could, I, I, so I think the general feeling is, the Messianic community is somewhere between mystified and upset. You know, they 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 just don't know. It 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 feels like Andy Stanley is demeaning uh, the Old Testament. But let's let's talk about the theology of this just a little bit. Okay, we understand in putting together the Old and New Testament, you've had lots of heresies throughout the years, from Marcion on down. And I think to call Andy Stanley a Marcionite is ridiculous. I agree you know, with that. By the way. Tell, just tell, tell our listeners what, what Marcionism is, just briefly. Well, Marcion was a second century, I believe, uh, our church father who basically did not appreciate the material world, associated the Old Testament with the material world, and basically rejected uh, the Old Testament as being uh, overly material, concerned with land and people and all sorts of things uh, like that. And the and the church basic the church basically uh, considered uh, Marcion a heretic. So anybody calling Andy Stanley a Marcionite is calling him a heretic, which is absolutely ludicrous. And that, agreed that that would be an overreaction. Uh, what I would what I would say is is that uh, Andy Stanley is uh, did a good job on Acts. Spoke a lot about. Uh, Paul, uh, 
But again, he's addressing an audience. And if I were him, I would take another look at 2 Timothy 3.16 to see how this passage might inform his next sermon series, uh, where he uh, talks about the Old Testament. And he did say that there would be more coming in his third uh, uh, video. And so in 2 Timothy 3.16, Rabbi Saul, you know, the Apostle Paul, uh, writes, all scripture, using the Greek word graphe, which was absolutely a a reference to the Old Testament, since it was the only uh, canonical uh, corpus of, uh, of, of holy documents and scripture there was at the time. So all scripture is theonoustos, inspired by God. So it's God breathed. And it's profitable for teaching uh, or doctrine, for reproof, telling you what's what's wrong, for correction, telling you what's right, and for training in righteousness. From the Greek word, as you know, uh, guys, uh, paideia, which uh, is the, is training a child. And so, you cannot preach grace in the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament. You've you've got to preach them both. Now, let me take it one step further. Now let's look at Andy Stanley, the evangelist. If I was going to say, uh, brother, there are a few other things that might help you, I would refer him uh, back to John chapter 5, where in verses 45 through 47, Jesus himself, quite an authority on the Old Testament, I would say, says, do not think, he's saying this to Jewish people, do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you've set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you unhitch the gospel or Christians from the Old Testament, how will you ever show Jews and Gentiles the nature of sin? And if you can't show them sin then why bother with the power of the resurrection? This, now, you might say, well, that's Jesus, and that's directed to Jewish people. But then you just flip back over to, to Paul, who said two things. One, in Romans seven twelve, he said, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. So even though Andy said, the Ten Commandments are not your commandments, well... Uh, you know, that, that, that I don't think it's true, uh, but I understand uh, where he's trying to make sure that uh, uh, these young people uh, work, know how to work their way through the Old Testament. And he's right, in a sense, because if it's not in some way all yours, then none of it's yours. And I would be one who would argue that it's all yours, and 2 Timothy 3.16 gives Christians the guidelines on how to utilize the Old Testament. But one of the ways we utilize the Old Testament is to demonstrate that people are sinners. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy. How can you demonstrate somebody is a sinner when you can't talk about the Ten Commandments? And then you have Romans 3. In Romans 3, uh, Romans 2 and 3, Paul delineates uh, special and general revelation, special revelation for the Jews coming through the law, general, general revelation coming through what? through creation. How do you even know God created the heavens and the earth if you don't have Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and 3, and you don't have a fall? And so I think that trying to present the 
good news of the gospel and God's love and grace without leaning on the Old Testament scriptures makes things more difficult than God ever intended, and it's worth the effort to try and explain some difficult passages because the Bible, including the Old Testament, is inspired, inerrant, and is good and profitable for our use. Mitch, I think that's beautifully stated. I was recently reading uh, a new commentary by a Jewish talk show host, Dennis Prager, and he said, it's important to believe that the Bible is inspired, because if I think it's divine, then it makes me realize it doesn't have a human source and drives me to find a reason and a basis, even for some of the difficult teachings in the Old Testament. And of course, he's coming at it differently than we are, but I thought that was a beautiful way to remind us of the value of the Old Testament so many ways still today. Let, let me ask you this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Old Testament helps set up the nature of sin, the nature of the gospel, who Jesus is, but what about the laws? Are they still relevant? None of them? All of them? Some of them? I know this is a huge question, but kind of how should we approach some of the laws we see in the Ten Commandments and beyond? Well, let me start again with Second Timothy 3.16. All of God's revelation, the is, is is good for us. And so we need to start with the fact that it is relevant. I love it when some Christians say to me, well, you're a Jewish believer, does that mean you're under the law? I then say, and this is why it's not quite an all-or-nothing thing, but it's an important discussion, uh, because, you know, if what does it mean to be under the law? It, it, it means that I, I believe that the Old Testament has authority, and that it's God's Word, and that somehow, in some way, I need to be obedient to what God has revealed, both in the Old and the New Testament. And so I would say that uh, there needs to be a distinction made. And this is where I think Andy Stanley is preaching in a popular way. He's a very excellent, he's, he's, he's quite the um, uh, preacher, and he uses a lot of rhetorical devices, he uses hyperbole. We all understand that. We all do that as preachers, too. Uh, but uh, in speaking to uh, his, cr his crowd, he, he did not make a distinction, Sean and Scott, between the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, the legal corpus within the five books of Moses, and within the books of the Old Testament. And so if I was to just listen to Andy Stanley, and I'm sure he doesn't mean this, if I was to just listen to him because of his rhetoric and hyperbole and because he's addressing his audience, I would say to myself, wow, is he saying that we not only do away with Genesis, but we do away with Psalms and Proverbs and the Song of Solomon and uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and the history uh, of books, because he keeps talking about the Law and the Prophets. And, you know, in, in Judaism, we call it the Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketubim, Torah, five books, Nevi'im, the uh, Prophets, Ketubim, uh, the writings. And so does that mean we just sort of get rid of Ezra and Nehemiah and so on? Of course he doesn't believe that, but one could get the impression of that. So uh, we, uh, Paul explains in, in Galatians and in other passages uh, and, and Christians go back and forth on this, on what our relationship is to the legal corpus in the law. And 
And so that's one thing. But what about the Christian's relationship to the rest of the Old Testament? Um, because he uses the two synonymously. Uh, when I was at Talbot, I did my master's thesis. We still had theses in those days. I did it on the synonyms for Torah in Psalm 119. And what I discovered, basically, was even within the corpus of the law, I know a lot of people talk about civil, ceremonial, and moral uh, laws, a tripartite sort of division of the law. Actually, it's much broader than that. And so the different terms in Psalm 119 refer to different corpuses within corpus, legal corpuses within the law. And so uh, I would say that Jewish people, even today, are still under the Mosaic Covenant. And that's another problem. He doesn't distinguish between Mosaic Law and Mosaic Covenant. And so I would say that at the least, Gentile Christians uh, are to live their lives in conformity to the lessons learned from the narrative portions of the Torah and from the entirety of the Old Testament. If not, then 2 Timothy 3, 16 doesn't make any sense, and Christians are the poorer for it. That would include lessons learned from the Ten Commandments. Okay, Mitch, thank you. That's, that's I think, a really helpful clarification just to help the Church today understand what its relationship is to the, the legal corpus, as you describe it, the, the, the law of Moses, the regulations. Um, Mitch, this, I think this has been really helpful to get uh, – and your perspective on this I think is per particularly beneficial for us uh, since you, you spend your life working with the Jewish community and you know, your Chosen People Ministries, you know, its mission is to win the Jewish people to faith in their Messiah, Jesus. So we, pre we really appreciate the perspective you've brought to this, uh, and I think the, particularly uh, the suggestions that you've made to help strengthen the evangelistic and apologetic thrust that we know Andy was trying to get at in these messages. So we're very, we're very grateful for you taking time to be with us today uh, and for your insight. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. Our guest, Dr. Mitch Glazer of Chosen People Ministries, uh, delighted to have had him with us. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, give us a rating on, your, on the app with which you uh, listen to the podcast uh, and share it with a friend. And remember, think biblically about everything.